The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Let's jazz it up. Let's all get together now. Welcome to the Laura Theodore podcast. You may know me from my popular television show, Jazzy Vegetarian, where I feature easy and delicious vegan recipes, along with tips for living a kinder, plant-based life. Now I invite you to join me here each week, where I'll welcome amazing guests to share upbeat and informative conversations featuring motivational lifestyle advice and nutritional guidance, plus lots of jazzy-licious recipe ideas. It's all served up with sensational music on the side. Music. So let's get talking. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Laura Theodore Podcast. I am your host, Laura Theodore. I hope you're feeling well and healthy and happy today. And I want to welcome you to this program. Today we have a little something different. We're going to welcome Owen Wormser to this program. And we're going to talk about landscape architecture, how to make it a little bit healthier for the planet and the animals. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I hope you're looking forward to later on in the program, we've got a great recipe of the week. But let's just get right to it. It is now my honor to welcome Owen Wormser, who has a degree in landscape architecture. Owen has designed and installed hundreds of landscapes, influenced by his ongoing study of horticulture, organic agriculture, and ecology. And today we're going to discuss his fantastic book, Lawns into Meadows, Growing a Regenerative Landscape. And I'd like to welcome him to this program right now. How are you today, Owen? I'm doing well, Laura. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being here because what you are doing is so important. And I think there are so few people that think about uh, lawns and how the lawns can disrupt our natural ecosystems. And that's why I was so excited when I learned about your book, Lawns Into Meadows, and uh, that you really address and know how to address this ongoing problem. So I'm going to get right to it. Please talk a little bit about how traditional lawns can disrupt our natural ecosystems. Yeah, we've sort of sleepwalked into a scenario where we have an area the size of Washington State in the United States that is mowed turf. And the vast majority of that space isn't even used for play or any sort of day-to-day activity. And what ends up happening is there's huge amounts of chemicals uh, and fertilizers that go into those lawns. There's a statistic that I came upon from the EPA that shows that homeowners are using 10 times more chemicals on their lawns than conventional agriculture uses per acre. So that is just one example of the many impacts. Lawns are basically biological deserts. There's very little uh, ecological value in lawns. They compact soil. They also require a huge amount of energy to maintain. So there's a really, really long list of different um, detrimental ecological factors. To just reel them off is uh, almost kind of depressing because the list is long and significantly impactful. Wow. Washington State. 
Man, I, I never thought of it that way. That really is, that makes a huge impact on the ecosystem. There will be uh, 60% of the water use on a given day in the summer will be used for watering lawns. Wow. Wow. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with that statistic. And of course, I think about the animals because that's kind of a lot of what we're all about here, uh, you know, helping people to understand the importance of a plant-based lifestyle. But a lot of it does have to do with the wildlife. And how do, if, if they didn't mow and they didn't use all those fertilizers and poisons, et cetera, et cetera, and more space was kept or brought up as meadows, how could that help to establish wildlife and pollinator habitats? It really works conversely to the scenario that I was describing with lawns when it comes to the ecological impact. Meadows really are able to offer some of the keystone pieces that the food supply, the food chain requires. So it provides seed, it provides uh, flowers that provide pollen and nectar for pollinators, but it also just generally provides habitat for small invertebrates, invertebrates, uh, which are the the sort of foundation of the uh, food chain. So meadows are able to create abundance in a way that leaving a space more wild in general is able to do as opposed to a tightly controlled and regulated space like a lawn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I'm thinking about something. Uh, you know, we have part of our yard. We live in a little, in a ville, a city, not a, you know, it's just a, a little ville, they call it. And uh, we do leave about half of our lawn just to grow kind of as a field. There's a lot of flowers that grow into it, wildflowers, et cetera, et cetera, until about the middle of the summer where it just becomes completely unruly and it starts to um, die away. We see a lot of bees. We have a lot of bees. We have tons and tons of birds on our property, et cetera, et cetera. And while everybody else has mowed their lawn, we see a lot of from everything from a family of bunnies to once again, the birds, the bees, et cetera, et cetera. They come, they enjoy the flowers, they enjoy the growth. Is that something that is helpful or would I have to actually reestablish that with putting an actual meadow together? How does that work, Owen? I would say it's helpful based on my experience. There was some pushback against no mow may where people are leaving their lawns uh, unmowed for a period of four or five weeks in May uh, because some experts were saying that it essentially sets up some of these pollinator species and species to think that they essentially have habitat available to them and then, and then it disappears. So the longer you can keep the habitat there, the more value it has. So if the meadow is a year-round meadow, then it's going to have significantly more value. But anytime there's any resources available to wild uh, animals and to pollinators, it's going to give them an advantage. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I thought. Um, you know, it's funny because it gets to the point where, once again, we finally 
uh, broke down and mowed it because we noticed nobody was going there anymore because it was all just getting gray. And now once we did, of course, the bunnies are coming back and getting the new sprouts. I mean, it's really, it's not a lawn. It's, it's all different things that are just growing naturally. And the bunnies and the birds seem to like it. So I'm glad that we're doing partially a good thing. But for somebody who wants to really start a meadow in a space in their lawn, what, how do they get started, A, and what are three or four of your favorite native grasses and wildflowers that may be easier for people to start with? I usually recommend that people till in their lawn to get rid of it to start because mm-hmm. if you are able to start with a blank slate where you don't have any existing vegetation, mm-hmm. that's really advantageous. And tilling in your lawn a lot of times rehabilitates the soil that is often compacted or dead from there being a lawn there. And so the, the actual turf that's tilled under creates, um, adds organic matter to the soil. It also disturbs the seed bank, which uh, if you till, it's recommended to till two or three times because then those weed seeds sprout and you can till them under and eliminate them, mm-hmm. which is really advantageous too. So that that generally works really well as a way to start, but there's a bunch of different approaches that you can use to get a meadow um, to grow out of what is presently a lawn. And some plants that I like to really lean on are for grass, I tend to use almost all the time in almost all my meadows. I'll use little blue stem, which is a dry loving uh, warm season grass. Mm-hmm. It's a native and it just has a really beautiful form. It grows in a clump so it doesn't compete with the plants around it. And it will stay upright through usually through the entire winter and provides really beautiful foliage and texture uh, throughout the year, including winter. Mm-hmm. So I really like to use little blue stem. And also so I, I tend to focus on plants like Echinacea or Black-Eyed Susan or certain common more common meadow plant because they work really well. And something like Echinacea, Echinacea purpurea, is a workhorse when it comes to establishing meadows. So you really want to lean on some of these species, like the ones I just mentioned. And another example would be like Anis hyssop. Um, that's another species that I use a lot of. And these plants are fairly reliable. They're beloved by pollinators. They're able to regenerate well. And so they are perfect candidates for a meadow. Great, great tips. I love that too, the echinacea uh, in, in particular. I really love that. A big issue with our entire climate is carbon dioxide. And I found it interesting that meadows can actually help control carbon dioxide uh, in comparison to keeping up a manicured lawn. Talk a little bit about that, if you would, please. Yeah, when I was writing my book, I was really intrigued to learn that all the studies that have been exploring how much carbon grasslands are able to sequester, all, all these studies show that grasslands, including meadows, can sequester really significant large amounts of carbon on par with oceans and forests. And this is really the opposite of what lawns do. Lawns have a huge carbon footprint. Just running a mower 
A commercial mm-hmm. mower for an hour is the equivalent of driving a Camry, a 2017 Camry 300 miles. Whereas a meadow is actively sinking carbon, meadow plants have really, really deep roots, often five to 10 feet. That's very typical, uh, sometimes even 15 or 20 feet deep in older prairies. And so the plants in a meadow are, are parking carbon in the soil and sequestering it. So um, they can have a big impact and it allows you to actually sequester carbon in your own yard. And each time someone turns a portion of their yard into a meadow, that area of lawn that is the size of Washington state is diminished in an area of uh, meadow that's actually taking carbon out of the atmosphere is created. So it's a step in the right direction. Fantastic. We are speaking with the amazing Owen Wormser, who has a degree in landscape architecture. He's designed and installed hundreds of landscapes influenced by his ongoing study of horticulture, organic agriculture, and ecology. You can learn more about Owen at abounddesign.com. That's abounddesign.com. The name of the book, Lawns into Meadows Growing a Regenerative landscape. Now, last but not least, people might be listening today and saying, hmm, okay, I got an area of my yard or my lawn that maybe I don't want to mow anymore. Maybe I do want to start doing some good things for the animals and for the environment and for the ecology of the earth in general. Where can people learn more about how to create their own meadow? Well, of course, the first place that I'm going to point people is my own book, which is focused on the how-to aspect of meadows. We get into the background with uh, how we got here with lawns, and there's information about um, how to take care of them. But if you really want to know how to create a meadow, that's what the the book is, is focused on. And it shows and talks about different ways to do that. So I had mentioned earlier where you can take out all your grass by tilling it and plant into that. Um, but there's other different approaches that both involve using seed and live plants that are broken down in that book in great detail. So for all of those uh, that are interested in trying this out, I would recommend you check it out. I recommend it highly, too, and I can't thank you enough for the important work that you are doing and for educating us all more on the importance of, well, of our ecosystem. That's something that's really important. I'm wishing you a wonderful and a healthy summer, and please, I hope we can do this again. Thank you so very much for this wonderful work that you're doing. Thank you, Laura. Be well. Well, that was Owen Wormser. Uplifting, fantastic conversation. So informational, too. Learn more about Owen at abounddesign.com. Abounddesign.com. Well, I know you've been waiting for it. It's my recipe of the week. And uh, this is pretty cool. My coconut date truffles. So, so easy. I made these coconut date truffles for Michael Feinstein many years ago when we filmed his interview for the television show. 
And uh, he loved them. So I think you're going to love them too. And this is how it goes. It makes 12 to 14 truffles. And you start with six large medjool dates, three heaping tablespoons of raisins, two tablespoons of unsweetened shredded dried coconut, two tablespoons of raw sunflower seeds. You could use roasted and salted sunflower seeds if you want to have a little salty, roasty taste in your coconut date truffles. And then two tablespoons of unsweetened cocoa powder. And then all you need to do is line a small baking sheet with unbleached parchment paper. Put the dates, the raisins, the coconut, and the sunflower seeds in a high-performance blending appliance and process to the consistency of soft dough. It's going to be really, really sticky, but you just want to get that dough, date dough, out of there and transfer the date mixture to a medium bowl. And then you're just going to spoon out a heaping tablespoon of the date mixture, roll it into a bowl, put the cocoa powder in a small bowl, and then roll each truffle in the cocoa powder until it's completely coated. And you're going to place them on the prepared sheet, Refrigerate for about one hour before serving. You can make them a day ahead of time, of course. I do like to kind of bring them to room temperature before I serve them. And you want to store them in an airtight container in the refrigerator. They keep fresh for several days. And that's it, my coconut date truffles that I made from Michael Feinstein. And speaking of Michael Feinstein... The fabulous music this week is sung by the fabulous Michael Feinstein. And this is from his album, The Sinatra Project, Volume 2. And he is just such a super talented musician, singer, all-around great entertainer. And uh, this is called The Good Life.
please remember I still want you And in case you wonder why Well, just wake up Kiss the good life Goodbye Well, just wake up Kiss the good life Goodbye The Good Life. What a beautiful tune. Michael Feinstein. Learn more about Michael at michaelfeinstein.com. Well, I want to thank you for listening today. I'm always so glad when you listen to this program at the mindbodyspirit.fm channel. And until next time, be happy, be healthy, and be well. From me, Laura Theodore, a.k.a. the J. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.